this week on the reverse stick. Yeah, hang on, mate. I've just two seconds. Pod- I've just got podcast. Yeah, I've just I've just got to get this team boxed off for tomorrow. Just give me two seconds. I'll be with you. Oh, you are listening to the Reverse Stick, the Global Hockey Podcast. Look, mate, just. Put it away for a second. Hang on, hang on. And send. There we go. Right. Um, what was that? The umpiring allocations, uh, teams. Uh, oh, just goalkeeper. Go- another through. goalkeeper. Goal just keeper. Drop, drop, dropped out on me, but it's okay. I can get a double up sorted out. Um, sorry, folks. Uh, welcome to episode 89 of the Reverse Stick, the Global Hockey Podcast. Do you know why 89 significant, John? Uh, that's how many years you age in a pre-season as a hockey administrator. <laughs> no, that's the number of phone calls I've got left to make today to make sure we've got teams on the park tomorrow. Yes, all on a similar theme. Uh, there would be many people around the hockey world that would know exactly what you're going through at the moment. Well, about half the hockey world, they'll be breathing a, a deep sigh of relief that that's it, done for another few months, <laughs> probably three months until they have to start recruiting and getting everything else done again. And of course, in this part of the world, in the Southern Hemisphere, there's... Uh, uh, yeah, season starting up and uh, a lot of fun to be had trying to organise teams, umpires, uh, press releases, bar staff, etc, etc. News. Um, well, let's start with uh, some international stuff, shall we, first. Uh-huh. Uh, Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia, playing India at the moment. Um there one test. There's, I think, there's another one coming up today as we record this. That's the Indian Eves over there in Malaysia. Um, that's getting underway at 6 p.m. Um, on the 6th, so that will be on Saturday, and then uh, the game again on Monday, and then Tuesday, Wednesday, and then Thursday, Friday next on April 11. I think that's how the schedule goes. Or is that next Thursday? I haven't got a calendar open in front of me, so we should do that. Now April 12. Is uh, Friday, so next Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> next Thursday is the last of those games. Tenth and eleventh, they're playing. Um, varying times between six pm and eight pm. Well, you can hear all about the uh, the Indian Eve's journey over there in the latest episode of Push Past Pundits number four. That's out there, and Harpreet Lamba has a, a little chat about the girls and the journey. Well, they'll be happy with how it started because in the first game, Indy got up and had a 3-0 victory. Don't believe you can watch it, though. Is it being telecast anywhere? No, from no, it's be- not, no, Don't believe so, which is unfortunate. I mean, you never know. You might be lazing on the couch one afternoon looking to catch some hockey and could have been there. Could have been. Should have been. Moving on. Moving on. We'll stay in Asia, though. Sultan of Aslan Shah Cup was being played in Ipo. It's just the men, of course, and that... Uh, finished up on um, Sunday, 30th. Saturday. Saturday, Saturday, yeah. Saturday 30th. I'm going real good with the dates today, <laughs> aren't I? That's where I'm at, folks. It's, that's why we thought today was actually Wednesday, didn't we? It's Friday, as it's it turns Friday, out. Yeah. Well, this is yeah third podcast of the week for you, second one uh, for me. Uh, so we're going to make this nice, nice and quick brief one for you, ladies and gentlemen. We'll try so, to. Yeah. Look, it, uh, it got to... Um, Perhaps not the final we thought it would be. It was 50% of what we thought it would be. India was going to be there in the final. Um, but Korea were the team that joined them. 
big big surprise from 17th ranking in the world and a, a country that we've spoken about a fair bit over the the past by the past year or so about the decline of yeah, uh, yeah, of, of Korean Korean hockey and there seemed to be a, a lack of interest from government government support there obviously there's also the talk about the unification but I don't believe that's that's in in place there um, at the moment uh, but yeah they've against all odds um managed to sneak the draw in the final game just like they did in the group game against India took it to the shootout and boy oh boy we saw the Penenka of hockey didn't we we, we did I mean perhaps there should have been a, um, a couple of flags go up when when that one all draw occurred early in the tournament but you know I, I don't think anybody thought India wasn't going to win the game um oh yeah look India came in second place Malaysia finished third still looking for a win there uh, Canada fourth, Japan fifth, Poland sixth, and finally there is some hockey action getting a bit of traction worldwide with that particular goal. That's right. A lot, uh, I think it's Sport Bible or Lad Bible or Uni Lad or one of these uh, behemoths of social media have picked up on the goal from Nam Young Lee, one of the, the co-captains there, 35 years old. Uh, you, you can't have not seen it if you've uh, you've been on social media. It's uh, it's a, a cracking display. Uh, you don't mind that one. You yeah, don't I like, think that's you don't, fine. You don't like the, the uh, lacrosse style or the uh, Gaelic Gaelic football style, no, the Shinty no. style. Sorry. It's, no. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm against. It. But that that's pretty cool. He, I, I've got nothing against the use of aerial skills, but I don't like the, you know, running into the D, balancing the ball on your stick. No, you should have to. Well, look, it's, it's 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 great to get some eyes on hockey. Well, lots of eyes on hockey, even if it is only eight seconds worth of it. Um, it's uh, you know will will we translate those viewers of the eight seconds into full blown games? Well, it, it depends if you can see them or not, doesn't it? It did uh, get me pondering though. Who's going to be the first bloke to try and copy it? And <laughs> and B, who's going to be the first bloke that tries to copy it and stuffs it up so completely? Because that's potentially when that goes bad. That's going to look really well, silly. Ba- ba- bounces off the goalkeeper. <laughs> yeah, or just, just goes back the other way. Or, or smashing yourself in the back of the head yeah, with, that's, with the ball that's, when that's you it. That's what I'm looking for. <laughs> we'll wait and see. Well, the Malaysians weren't too happy about the results and their own performance there. I saw that Altman's has got, well, he was the back page of the uh, one of the papers over there, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, article from Jugjek Singh. Uh, but he's bringing in Takitakama. Uh, and Martin Driver, goalkeeping coach, um, to get them prepared prior to the uh, hockey series finals. Oh, they're going to need Coming a little bit soon. of help if they're going to go a long way in that series finals. Um, you know, Canada would probably be a bit disappointed in their performance in that tournament. Uh, ranked 10, I believe, Canada. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm not sure how long it's been since they last played international hockey. It's been a little bit of a while, hasn't it? Canada? Yeah, the men's team. Uh, no, w- World Cup. Same, no, that's yeah, still same, a little same, bit of same, a while. Same as India, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. I was a bit disappointed in their performance, but, you know, someone's got to come... <laughs> a six-team tournament. Someone's got to come six, which in this case was Poland, who probably people thought might struggle a little bit. They were just happy to be there with a the late call-up. They wouldn't have been over over prepared for it. So yeah, good on they, them for for yeah answering the call. You know, and apart from a, a ten nil flogging from the uh, the Indians, which was probably the re- <laughs> there was excitement in India after after that. 
Well, there uh, was, but, but, but not, know, but not from, not from those of level heads. As a coach, do you want your team winning ten nil, and then the next game up being a a, a, play, a cup final such as that? It's the, my history keeps repeating itself with the Indians, and it's may, not just may, Indians. I think that work, that applies to to any sort of competition. I don't think ten nil victory the game before you go and play your, your cup final is really good. Preparation, no. Yeah, no, it's terrible no, preparation. No, you want a nice close encounter, and well, you want and, a hard and, game, and you want to be lucky to be there in the in that. Well, the, I, the, I don't the know that you want game. to be lucky, but you, you you need to have some competition. And, yeah. and winning ten nil, it, it's not really competition. No, but a tight two one win can boost the morale. That's right. uh, a lot more than a, a, a ten nil win. Yeah. And you, you don't tend to get carried away with your own bathwater when yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, and, but that's a. That's not something that coaches can control either. I mean, you can't tell your players not to score goals because <laughs> it's bad for your psyche, can you? Just on the goal scorers, joint top goal scorers were Jong Yoon Yang from Korea and Mandeep Singh from India, both on seven apiece. Um, Mandeep's all field goals. You got any more news? Um, uh, I'm trying to find a tweet from Patrick Joyce. He came in late on the news um, from last week where we did some club club results uh, okay Dundee Wanderers they did okay Patrick sorry can't find it you do do a lot of retweeting champ <laughs> <laughs> okay fair enough that's news I think you're listening to the reverse stick the global hockey podcast and um it's very hard for us at this time of the year when we're trying to get a bit concentrated what, what? you want to spare change uh, yeah, why, why, why? I'll just chuck us a dollar, two dollars, something like that, if you don't mind. Right, for what? Yeah. Oh, just to go towards our Patreon campaign, John. Oh, uh, good idea. You can head to patreon.com forward slash the reverse stick if I you want I thought the idea to... was other people gave us money. Well, we've just got to get it going somehow, haven't we? <laughs> yeah, you know? true. Every little helps. Um, yeah, head to our uh, Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash the reverse stick if you're able to help out. There's some different tiers on there. We'd love your support. If you want to buy us a beer, you can do it that way. And uh, just to help us along the way in producing this and other hockey podcast projects. One of the things that we uh, don't often get a lot of time to talk about is European hockey because that's all been cranking up over the last few weeks and we probably should pay more attention to the club scene there as well. It's, it's, it's hard to um, cover some clubs and then not cover other clubs yeah. and you know different leagues. It's but coming up in the next couple of weeks, it'll be uh, an event that we can cover uh, and try and do a comprehensive job or at least a, a well, we'll, reasonable we'll, job yeah, of we'll it. We'll be able to have our eyes on it, for yeah. sure. Uh, what are we talking about, John? We're talking about the Euro Hockey League, Matt. At this time of the year, it's always a pleasure to catch up with Mr Stephen Finlater. Oh, Geez, he knows anything you need to know about what's going on in the club hockey scene in Europe, John. And uh, it's a pleasure that we've got Stephen on once again to talk all about the upcoming EHL finals and uh, what a spectacle it's going to be. Yeah, fantastic to join us down the line once again, Mr. Stephen Findlater, talking all things EHL. We've got the knockout 16 coming up in Eindhoven in oh, just a couple of weeks now. Stephen, thanks for joining us once again. Yeah, thanks, guys. Great to be on the show. Now, another exciting prospect ahead of us with EHR. We can't wait for it all to get underway here. Um, what's, uh, what's the mood like in Europe at the moment? Where are we at with the planning stages and uh, what can we expect out of the tournament? 
Yeah, so we're we're two weeks away from the from the main event. Uh, we're getting underway in Eindhoven on April the seventeenth with uh, yeah four KO sixteen matches and then another four KO sixteen matches the day after that. This year is a little bit different from the last couple of seasons. It's a combined event, so we go straight from knockout sixteen all the way through to the the final four and then down to the grand final on Easter Monday. So it's a it's a bit of a festival. It's six days in total this year rather than the normal four that we have at Easter and then we and then we've combined the final four event. Um, as a result of that we got sixteen matches, sixteen teams and uh, six days of pretty cracking hockey. Uh, last time we were in Eindhoven at Aranya Road it was a uh, we had uh, two sold out days out of the four and uh, over 20, 20 to 25,000 fans in total. So we're, we're expecting uh, good crowds once again to take in a bit of a, a carnival of the sport. Now we've got teams involved here from the Netherlands, from Germany, from Belgium, from Ireland, Russia. Oh, the list goes on. Germany, I think I said that already. Spain. Um, what's, what do we know so about some of these guys' uh, performances at the moment in their domestic competitions? Is there anybody performing particularly well at home leading into the tournament? Yeah, I mean, it's always one of these interesting things. You I mean, you qualify for the EHL, uh, you know, maybe the guts of 10 to 12 months in advance uh, of the of the actual competition, or maybe even 18 months in terms of the Russian sides who uh, who run their, their their stuff on a calendar year basis to avoid the snow. Yeah. Um, so it's, uh, you know, there is uh, some sides in incredible form last uh, last year, and then this time around they'll be in, in less good form. What One of the key things, I suppose, for this year is probably that the German teams... They uh, last year the, their first game back after their winter break was actually in the EHL, which uh, might have had a bit of a an effect on their performances. So the likes of Ulnorse, Mulheim, Rockweiskoln, and uh, Mannheimer, uh, they they um, they, uh, they would have been uh, coming in a little bit cold, and uh, none of them made it through to the, the the final four as a result of that. Whereas this time round they'll they'll all have played f- uh, between four and six games between them. Uh, in the build-up to the EHL, and the last time that the, the EHL had happened a bit later in the year, uh, Rottweiss-Cohen went on and won the whole thing. So I think that does give them an extra bit of match practice, um, and so they'll be they'll be ready to go. So I think that's going to be pretty exciting stuff. So Mannheim are the first ones on, on course. They're playing against Dinamo Kazan. Dinamo Kazan are um, the Russian champions for the last 14 years in a row. Um, they, they managed to win again last uh, was it last October. Um, but uh, probably one of the toughest camp- campaigns they had. They were actually training, trailing Dinamo Electrostyle for a long time, but uh, eventually overhauled them in the second last week of the season. Uh, but uh, like that, they, uh, they they don't start their domestic campaign until May, so they'll probably come in a little bit undercooked, whereas Mannheimer, I think, will be uh, all guns blazing. They do have Gonzalo Payat um, as their, uh, yeah, I suppose the man at the back, but also their, obviously their drag flicker, and he's been focusing pretty much on the, on, on, on the club stuff this season. He's taken a bit of a break from Argentina at different stages during the season, so um, he'll be he'll be nice and fresh. They also have Lucas Villa and Guido Barreros from uh, from Argentina in their lineup, so they've got a pretty cosmopolitan side to go along with some really good German players. And I think that they'll uh, they might be wanting to set the tone there after a couple of maybe uh, runs to the KO8 in the last couple of years. I think they might be looking at this as an inviting enough draw for them to push on this year. Just quickly, Stephen, on that, where these sides have got import players, is there any kind of qualification process required for you then from the previous season to um, represent the side coming the next year into, into EHL? Like in terms of of when you sign for the club. Well, yeah, like, yeah. So, so, like so you can just come in fresh for EHL, um, effectively. You don't have, have had to have um, played any um, games historically with the club. 
No, no, no. You, I mean, you just have to be you have to be registered uh, for the club. Uh, at, I mean, the 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 cutoff for the for round one is in around about September, and then that that means you have to have joined the club before September, right, and then you yeah, can play yeah. in the in, in the round one in October. And then uh, for the the KO16, it was in November. Was the mid November is the the annual cutoff, so you, players will have had to join by then. So like you will have to be at the club for six months or something like that yeah. in advance of the of the EHL. You can't just gonna rock up the week before, you know, and uh, chuck some money at it and uh, have a have a whole lot of ringers coming in. So um, yeah, no, that's there. You do have to be pretty much around for the full season with the club. Yeah, I'm sorry for interrupting that. I just thought it was uh, interesting that you <laughs> no guys. I'm just wondering where we can spend all this money that we're earning uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah well that, I mean like that, that's it I mean uh, th- th- there is you know clubs go about it in different ways I mean some clubs will you know you know want, 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 want to, to give a little bit of extra for their European push and try and uh, you know maybe break the bank and uh, add a few extra players whereas some other ones you know sort of see it as a reward for for the club players that got them there and uh, and make sure to, to, to keep the, the vast majority of their squad in place I mean I, I suppose it is probably a Something that uh, club chairman and club boards uh, will probably discuss uh, every summer after they after they know if they've qualified or not for the next season. Stephen, that sort of leads into me asking you: uh, Is there much player movement there in, in Europe, or you know, a, and is it more a case of teams wanting to bring a player in if they've made the Euros rather than players leaving or going to other clubs to, you know, and international yeah. players? I'm talking here. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I suppose, like, it's, it's kind of, um, like, I'd say, so, I mean, the, the, the way the EHL operates, you're probably, you're looking at the top end, you've got, uh, clubs who, who pay their players on a professional basis, and then at the bottom end, uh, well, maybe not the bottom end, but just the different end of the kind of resources spectrum, you have the, the, the kind of the strictly amateur clubs, whereas this is, this will be very much seen as a, as a pinnacle of their, of their careers. I mean, of, I mean, we mentioned it before on the on the show. I'm a Three Rock Rovers hockey club member, and, and they're involved for the for the second year in a row uh, in the KO16. Uh, they won through the the round one earlier this year, but I mean, it's a strictly amateur uh, club, you know. And uh, all the players pay their pay their subscriptions to to be part of the club for the season, you know. And there's no sense of kind of buying in a player, and and for the values of the club, it, it's also not really. In their interest, but as you say, for the for the bigger clubs, the ones who will be looking at this, and then you know there is potential prize money on the line. There's also uh, plenty of uh, television exposure and prestige that you can that you will get in your home countries in Holland, Germany, and Belgium. Uh, you know where you want to give some sponsors some added value, things like that. You know then then I suppose there will be financial discussions to be made about you know the value of bringing in a, a top line player. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean it, to, to go through a couple of them this year, there, there's been sort of bits and pieces of movement in, in some of the, the, the bigger clubs but uh, for the most part I mean the, probably the most interesting one is is Dragons the, the Belgian champions for the last three seasons um, they actually had nine players leave the club this year um, and then a further nine players coming in so uh, I mean it's, it's a very very big turnover of players there um, so I mean a number of them kind of uh, moved for, for opportunities in, in Holland so you got Arthur van Doren the World Player of the Year uh, moving to Blumendal, and then his younger brother Loic, uh, the goalkeeper, went uh, went off to a club in, in Holland as well. I think it was uh, to either, off the top of my head, either Pinoke or, De- or Den Bosch, one of those two. Uh-huh. Um, you know, and so um, th- you know there was a number of other Alexander Hendricks, another member of the World Cup squad. He's now playing with Pinoke as the as their as their key drag flicker there. So they've had to kind of um, 
roll with the punches a bit this year. I mean, they they do kind of pride themselves on a lot of their players coming through youth systems there. Uh, well, from the Greater Antwerp area and things like that, as Ernst Bart will attest to. <laughs> but the um, the uh, but uh, the, for this year, I mean, with such a large amount of players moving on, they've had to then kind of go a bit further and wider. So they've got uh, Luke Noblet from Australia is, uh, is added to their lineup. Then two Irish guys, Kirk Shimmons and Shane O'Donoghue, who was previously at yeah, yeah. Uh, Dragons, but he's he's returned to the club. So they've, um, you know, that there's a lot of movement there in terms of some of the bigger clubs. So I mean, just on uh, ju- just on Dragons, Stephen, how are they tracking in the moment? Because yeah. you've got special interest because that's the game for Three Rock Rovers, and let us yeah. know how Three Rock Rovers are looking as well. Yeah, uh, I, I would say that uh, Dragons, <laughs> it's a repeat anyway of last year's, uh, I suppose, infamous 2010 game uh, where, uh, where we went during the, uh, the, the field goals counting double uh, situation where we got got that one, and that's probably about the, the most famous uh, situation of that. Um, yeah. I mean, it would have been fairly ridiculous even if it wasn't. It would have been 12-5 if, uh, if, if it didn't have the double goals, so it still would have been a ridiculous scoreline. But anyway, that probably hastens the departure of that. So this year we don't have the, the two goals for one. But in terms of Dragons, it's it's definitely their weakest regular season that they've had for, for a large number of years. They finished eighth kind of, well, the, the way Belgium works this year, they've got two groups of six. So they finished fourth in their group, which gives them a, a seeding of eighth for the uh, for the playoffs. So they're going to be playing against the number one seed, the Waterloo Ducks, um, in, the, in, the, in the first round of playoffs. So that gives an idea of that it's not been a particularly smooth transition to this new squad this year, whereas they topped the table for the last number of years. So in terms of that, they still have a huge amount of really good players there. You've got Felix Denier, Florent Van Obel um, in the lineup, and and a couple of those internationals for, from Ireland as well who are involved in the World Cup. You know, there's, there's some seriously good players, and then also a few good guys coming through, like Max Lotens as well. So, you know, I definitely see them still as being the favourites. Three Rock, they had a... Uh, a fairly fairly terrible start to the season. Um, they they lost. I think uh, they're, they're four out of their first nine matches in the in the in the Irish League. But they've since won ten games in a row across all competitions. So they've kind of turned it around and hit a bit of form at the right right stage. So they're probably playing as well as the, as they have been all season. They've uh, they've also won four trophies already this season, which is, is fairly ridiculous. Uh, oh, sorry, only three. Oh. <laughs> uh, three. They won. Um, they won the European indoor, or sorry, the Leinster indoor and the Irish indoor tro- uh, title, and then they've won the a kind of a regional cup competition here. The fourth thing that they achieved was also promotion in the European indoors scene, but they uh, did that by finishing second. So no silverware that time, which would be disappointing. But um, <laughs> yeah, they. Uh, <laughs> They're they hitting their form, yeah, pretty much at the right time. Um, I mean, it's, they've got a, they've got a good lineup, but I mean, it's not really, you know, in terms of international stuff. I mean, you've got Luke Maidley, who's a, who's part of the the reserves for the the World Cup squad. Mitch Darling, who recently retired from the Irish international squad, who was in that World Cup team, and then Dara Walsh as well, <coughs> and then goalkeeper Jamie Carr is also an international. But after that, I mean, it's uh, you know these are, you know, solid good good club players on the Irish scene and would be very much amongst the strongest here but I mean whether they can compare to uh, full time professionals remains to be seen however they will look at Dragon's record I think and uh, say look this is probably the best time to play them uh, over the last couple of years What about the Dutch sides uh, Kampong and, and Amsterdam yeah, I mean, uh, well, I suppose for, for, from your own local interest there, I'd say Amsterdam is probably the the, the most interesting one in, yeah. in recent times. Uh, they've just changed their coach, so uh, 
Graham Reed, the Aussie, he's finished up there, um, apparently moving to India. Uh, maybe you guys have got a better steer on whether he actually is going to India. But uh, that's uh, yeah, the, the, the results weren't going particularly well in the last couple of weeks. With uh, I think Billy Backer spoke on Hockey.nl saying you know that uh, it seemed to be kind of weighing a bit on the squad. Um, you know the, about the kind of the, some of the results and uh, this kind of speculation over his future. So it'll be interesting to see how they. Um, yeah, how they how they bounce back from that. The, the initial signs are quite good. They've been going pretty well in the in the Dutch league since Graham Reed finished up. I think they they drew with Kampong last weekend, which was a very, fairly crazy uh, fashion. They 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 managed to get a, a concede a penalty stroke and have Billy Backer sent off, and uh, and then and, and then managed to equalise uh, all within the last minute of the game. So, uh, <laughs> So um, yeah, so pr- pretty good stuff there, but uh, but it shows a bit. It shows definitely a, a bit of spirit that they had there. And Kampong are you know they're sitting second in the Dutch table, and uh, it was in Utrecht, so pretty pretty good result there. Kampong themselves, they're in a lot better form than uh, than than Amsterdam, sitting second in the table, and uh, they they managed to get a win over Bloemendal, the current leaders. So there's you know they're they're in, they're in good shape. That they've yeah a lot like. Uh, Dragons have a big turnover of players from last season. Four of their best players, uh, Kieran Kaspers, Philip Molenbroek, Sure De Vert, and Constantine uh, Jonker all retired last season, so they've been kind of coping with uh, with those guys uh, stepping back, and uh, but they've pretty much done it with all kind of uh, guys aged between 19 and 21, and it's working out pretty well for them. However, one caveat to that, um, Philip Mullenbrook actually has returned from retirement oh, right. <laughs> in the last couple of weeks because of the, co- yeah, they, they basically Alexander Cox, the coach, is, uh, was struggling with injuries and he said here, any chance he could, uh, turn out for a game or two? He, he's since turned out for, for five games and scored in every single one of them. So, uh, Hopeful you pretty get. good guy to have, <laughs> pretty good guy to come back in. And then, uh, the hosts are on your road. Um, yeah, they'll have a pretty fervent home home support behind them. They've got a really tough opening draw against Uhlenhorst Mulheim, uh, the German uh, German league, uh, German champions, and currently second in their national table. Aranjuro, they, they yeah, they bit of a horror weekend last time out. They were they lost five 0 to Blumenthal in the in the Dutch league, but uh, they're still sitting in the playoff places, so they will be uh, will be competitive, and I think no doubt spurred on by their their home support should be a a good a good side to watch. They've got plenty of good players. Uh, Pierre Black, the the Dutch goalkeeper, Bob de Vogt, Mink van der Veerden, uh, Rashid Mahmoud, Mohamed Rizwan, uh, Thomas Briels, like this pretty cosmopolitan stuff. Yeah. And uh, yeah, lots and lots of players with lots and lots of experience of the World Cup and beyond. Any surprises from the likes of Saint Germain, Igara, the, the, the Spanish sides there? Can, can we expect any upsets? Um, yeah, I mean it's, it's it's normally probably in the in the middle ground games that you'll probably uh, see the most the most intrigue. I think, like like you say, Saint Germain and Club Igara playing against each other, they've got plenty of history, and I don't really think they like each other a huge amount, which mm-hmm. is always good for a. Good for a KO16 match. So uh, Saint-Germain beat uh, Club Igara with a last-minute penalty stroke in uh, Barcelona a couple of years ago, the last time they met, to knock them out of the competition in front of their home fans, which was uh, fairly dramatic. The last time they played in Holland against each other was a nil-all draw, which went to a shootout, and there was plenty of Kiko Cortez shouting uh, uh, and swearing on camera and stuff like that during that one. So I think there's plenty of uh, plenty of passion and uh, emotion. The two, the two sides also do and usually to travel in good uh, good numbers. Saint Germain had about two or three hundred uh, travel with them to, to Rotterdam last year, so we'd hope that uh, a good, good crowd of them will come along this time. Um, 
again, Royal Leopold, uh, the Belgian side, they're in brilliant form at the moment, and uh, they're coming up against Real Club de Polo from Barcelona, the, the Spanish leaders. This, it's kind of these ones which I think are really, really well matched. Uh, Leo, um, yeah, they, were, they were great in round one. They've got, they've got a bit of money behind them by the looks of things because they've got uh, Manu Brunette, the Argentinian guy in there, and uh, about three or four French guys. Gascar Baumgarten is, a, is really one to watch up front for yeah. them, as well as uh, l- local guys like Tom de Croat and uh, Dimitri Cuvillier. These, there's lot, lots and lots of good players there, and like Was Polo would have been probably on paper beforehand uh, the, the side to watch, especially with Xavi Leonard back in their, in their lineup. I think that one could be really, really well matched. And then the other one that I think is a really great first round match is uh, the Waterloo Ducks against Serbiton. Um, Serbiton they are playing. I was surprised about this just when I was putting together the previews. I, I kind of view them as kind of perennial English champions, but it's only going to be their second time in the EHL. They did pull out once before. Yes, I remember. Basically, yeah, because of the yeah. Co- basically because of the Commonwealth Games, they've got too many internationals yeah. from places like Scotland and Wales and England and things like that that they they just weren't uh, and they weren't going to be released by their respective countries for the EHL, which is a pity. Um, and as a result of that, they uh, they pulled out. But uh, yeah, they've got probably. Yeah, we a bit of debate on the, about this on, online last night about Alan Forsyth, whether he's the most <laughs> prolific uh, player, play, player from, from, from play in the, in the world game, and he probably is. Like, uh, we were trying to come up with comparisons. I mean, Mirko Browser in Amsterdam is pretty, scores a lot of goals from play, but like, he doesn't get 25 from play a season yeah. from just 18 games. So like, it's, it's incredible stuff. And he's, uh, yeah, and he, and he can do it any which way, any close in or t- taking them, taking players on himself and firing them home. He's really, really good to watch. They're but, playing but, against but the t- Waterloo Ducks. T- took some time to 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 get that elevated status into the GB team, though. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what the uh, what, what what they were thinking. To be honest, I mean, uh, like th- I was watching them there about it must have been 2015, I think, um, uh, with the Scottish national team, and basically it, it, there was a point in, in one of these games against. Uh, I think it was against the French that he basically he just gave up passing to his teammates. He uh, he just basically started uh, just going himself because he knew that he could do uh, do more do, do more damage. Stephen, is he a guy that came through the traditional pathway in inverted commas, or is he actually a guy that sort of slid down the outside and was unnoticed for a long time? Yeah, I mean, like, well, he, he was he was part of the the Kelburn team, the Scottish champions, for for a large number of years before he then moved down to uh, to London to play to play with Surbiton. So I mean, he was he was definitely, you know, sort of wouldn't have been say a fast track like an English under twenty one or something like that into the into the GB squad. And it, it, I think, I mean, this is only perception, but like for for a long time, like the the last couple of World Cup squads with the with England, with GB have been pretty much. Exclusively English players, I think, in both 2012 and 2016. Yeah. Do you know, maybe, maybe the you know that it's it's harder to get yourself noticed when you're when you're playing for Wales or Scotland or something like that. His dad's massively involved as well, though, isn't he? I think. Yeah, yeah, and his brother as well. Yeah. So a Scottish international as well. So like, the, you know, there is there's a lot of a a lot of family connections there. But I, but I mean, it's I mean, I I don't know the ins and outs of it, but it, I, I think there was definitely. It would definitely have seen that it would be harder to get into the the the, the GB squad coming from a from one of the the other countries that isn't England. Stephen, you've taken us through one half of the hockey playing world. What's happening on the better mm. side? What's happening with the ladies? Well, for, for the for the women's competition this yeah. year, yes. Yeah, so this is the last last year that'll be called the uh, the Euro Hockey 
uh, Club Champions Cup, and it's going to be uh, the um, yeah, it's it's going to come under the EHL umbrella this uh, for from next year, um, and that's yeah, a pretty exciting um, pretty exciting development for us uh, at the EHL. Basically, it's it, we're we're going to have well, they're changing the format of the of the EHL men to reduce the teams from twenty down or twenty four down to twenty. And then what that will allow us to do is then to have a, a joint uh, KO8 event uh, next Easter with uh, eight men's teams and eight women's teams after the initial knockout phases um, going on there. So I think that's a yeah, it's a, it's a really great you know development in, the, in terms of the competition, and it will give us a you know a, a whole new lease of life in terms of audience, in terms of uh, different styles of play, different uh, faces for people to get to get on board with and to, to get to know. In terms of this uh, this year, uh, there's the the Club Champions Cup coming up, and it runs over the same, yeah, the same Easter weekend. Eight top teams in Europe. So we've got, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll just give you the, the lineup. It starts on April the 19th. It's going to be starting off with uh, the Spanish side Real Sociedad against uh, Ritem Grodno from Belarus. Uh, then Serbiton, they've got a fairly busy weekend, but they're both their men and women over in Holland. Uh, Serbiton are coming up against Club Under Alster from Germany. Uh, Den Bosch, who pretty much win this. I think they've won it about 15 times in the last <laughs> 17 years or something like that. Um, they're playing against the Irish champions Loretto and uh, then Uatze Hamburg from Germany are playing against Amsterdam in the, probably the pick of the uh, the, 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 the KO8 games um, in that. So what they do, they're playing in um, they're playing in the Wagner Stadium in Amsterdam the, the one which used the, for the European Championships last year and um, so it's a yeah, pretty sweet venue for that. Um, and uh, what you have on the first day is uh, quarterfinals, knockout, knockout games. And then you have the losers from the, the first day go into the, the kind of fifth to eighth place playoffs. And then they're battling to kind of bet the better their performance are, the more places their national side will or their, 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 their country will get in the next year's competition. And that's kind of the, the key thing for them. Whereas obviously the winners go through to the semifinals and finals, which will happen on April 21st and April 22nd. And so, yeah leads all to a, a bit of a crescendo there so I, I mean you normally it's pretty much the Germans and the Dutch sides are, the, are, are very much the ones to watch in recent years but uh, you don't discount the Spanish or the English as well they, they, they've put in some strong performance in the last couple of years as well. We're always for the underdog here at uh, the reverse stick Stephen so we'll be going <laughs> for those English and Spanish sides and No doubt there is some incredible hockey um, to be seen and if you're not lucky enough to get there Stephen I know that you're a hockey Federation do such an incredible job with getting live streams out to the world. How can we get our eyes on the uh, the two competitions? Okay, so um, well, just on the on the men's competition. I mean, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll post a full breakdown of of all the the different uh, outlets that are covering the the Euro Hockey League. So, I mean, it, we're, we're definitely going to be on. Uh, we're going to have five or six games on free to air in Holland on the on the NOS channel. And then all the rest of it will be available on EurohockeyTV.org um, website. So every single game if, uh, will be on there. Some of them will be geo-blocked. If you're in Belgium, we're on 11 sports. So that will geo-block the uh, EurohockeyTV.org site. So just be aware of that. But, and uh, I think what we will also have broadcasts, I believe, on BT Sport. And we will also have ones on Dazone in Germany and Supersport in South Africa. I, I may need to I may need to double check some of those, but uh, we do have a, a suite of I think about 12 different uh, broadcasters that we're working with this time for the for the Euro Hockey League. So 
uh, plenty of places worldwide to be able to get, get to watch that. Um, on the women's side, in, in terms of television broadcast, I don't think there's uh, a, a confirmed one this year, but uh, there is definitely a live stream which will again be on EurohockeyTV.org. So again, that will be posted on the EuroHockey.org website, and they'll give you all the uh, all the information about that. And there's been an excellent coverage for the last few years that Brilliant. I've been watching. It's yeah. great work you do there, Stephen. Oh, cheers, lads. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be an interesting one this year just in, in terms of the, the longer tournament. I mean, uh, in previous years, we've had the, the whole Easter weekend to kind of work with for the Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, which, you know, for, 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 for most of the European countries is, is pretty much made for, made for hockey in that kind of sense. So having the two extra days, the Wednesday and Thursday, may be tricky for some people to get along to. So it's, it is great that we have the live stream that everyone can uh, make sure they can enjoy the first rounds of matches and then uh, just all pile in for the weekend for the, for the big games. Now you're going to be getting your good self over there. Yeah, I will be, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's eight, eight days over there for me and, uh, gonna love every minute of it. I mean, it's, we, we, we've got, like, I mean, I, I look after the, the media operations during the, during the tournament and, uh, yeah, it's always kind of fairly exciting. We've got, like, you know, it, it, you just kind of feel it as you go through the weekend that more and more kind of, uh, different journalists from different countries arrive as, as the tournament goes on, uh, as, uh, as their particular teams, uh, start progressing in the competition. So, that's kind of what I look forward to as, as we go through. Two questions for you. Um, how many goals have you scored this season and are you taking your kit? <laughs> <laughs> have I taken my kit? Are you taking um, your kit along with you? Oh, man, you know, there might be a last oh, call-up that... chance. <laughs> yeah, answer them in that order. How many goals and will you be taking your kit? Yeah, so I think, uh, yeah, I got eight, eight goals this season. Okay. And, uh, yeah, so... You know, it's uh, it's it's not uh, not an Alan Forsyth levels at this stage, but he's but uh, I don't think I'll be making a comeback the for Three Rock. The, this, however, like it's it's a club that you know I've been involved with for most of my life. But bizarrely, I never played for the first team in my twenties. Managed to play at the age of eighteen and nineteen, and then also thirty-one to thirty-two in the first team, but but nothing in between, which uh, was <laughs> is probably about the opposite of what uh, most people's curve in, in terms of their involvement in the first team goes. Well, I'm urging all of the three Rock Rover supporters out there to get those banners made. Hashtag Bring Back Findo. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, this. Uh, I mean, I think the, the level that they're at now is is, is very different from uh, from when they uh, they tried to bring them back the last time when when they were when they're definitely properly struggling for for players back in the like the 2012-13 direction. You just need to take some advice from Matt here, Findo. Um, you play at centre forward, and you're the decoy. Just confuse the opposition. <laughs> That's all you have to do. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it would have been a dream to, to play in the EHL, I think, when I was a, when I was a youngster and all this kind of stuff. I mean, it's, uh, like, so just some of the guys that they do, they do talk about it. You know, uh, like we have great fun with, uh, Gary Ringwood, who just retired last year. And just, he played in the, the 2009 season with, with three or 2008, 2009 season. And there's, uh, pretty much, I think probably the ugliest tackle in the EHL history was committed by him and it made one of the highlight packages him going two-footed through some guy and it pretty much gets sent around every time that uh, when these EHL weekends comes along he still said, look, lads, I played in the EHL what have you ever done kind of stuff, you know so well, it, what, is, uh, it begs the question on a tackle like that, it's, uh, what would that do with your scored fancy league EHL Dream League <laughs> scores? 
Yeah, but uh, it's, I tell you, the uh, it, it is it's it's a nice little addition uh, where we're launching it fully in the next couple of days. Uh, we're working with Score this year to do a fantasy league, just like they did with the World Cup um, before Christmas when they had. I think they ended up with some like seven seven thousand different uh, different teams or something like that involved uh, before then. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think Oriol at Score is is doing a brilliant job with uh, with this as a as a way of just getting an extra adding an extra level of intrigue to the to the way we we look at that. So we so we're working with Scored and uh, they're they're going to be running the the fantasy league on uh, scored.com/fantasy for the next yeah I mean you can pre-register now. If you pre-register you've got a chance of uh winning uh winning some tickets to the EHL itself and then uh, it'll it'll launch proper in the next couple of days when you'll be able to pick your team and uh, you know choose all the players that you want and uh, stick the likes of David Hart in a in a team with Matt Scrambush and uh and Christopher Rohr and stuff like that. So I think it's, uh, yeah, it's cool. I mean, it's just a lot of fun. And I'm looking forward to taking you on once again on the reverse stick mini league. <laughs> and there will be a signed Kookaburra's, uh, tr- uh, singlet up for grabs for I'm, the, uh, the winner of the mini league. I'm just trying to pick my team now and I can't, I can't find any Findo or Rob Abbott or Tansy Lee. <laughs> How am I going to pick my dream team to compete in the Euros? Not the TRS World 11 dream team, mate. You're alright. Oh, okay. Stephen, uh, we're, lo- we're looking forward to it, mate. We're really excited that it, it's come around so bloody quick. But, um, yeah, really, really, really looking forward to getting into it again and uh, uh, enjoying all the action from Eindhoven and Amsterdam. Thanks for joining us, champ. Cheers. Thanks. You are listening to The Reverse Stick, and that was Stephen Finlay from the Euro Hockey League and, of course, The Hook, where you can catch... Stephen's fine work on Irish hockey as well. And yeah, he's a right stato, isn't he? Oh, yes. Fantastic. Just yeah. love it. No, no, I'm sure he's going to enjoy himself there too. I wish I was. I'd be a love to go to an event like that. Don't get the opportunity really. Not, not easily anyway. No. Not, not cheaply. Don't worry. <laughs> hockey. Well, hang on, well, you were at the Pro League the other week, mate. Hey? You were at the Pro League. You saw two top class games. Yeah, but not a weekend of it like that. No, With fantastic. top top class club hockey like that. Well, wow. I, I I also like the fact of top class club fans as well, and you know yeah, a, yeah, lot, yeah. a lot of those clubs that they, they, they get out in the numbers, they're all wearing the club colours, um, maybe having a beverage or two and enjoying the the atmosphere. Uh, yeah, it would be nice to go and uh, soak up some of that, wouldn't it? That 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 experience, yeah, that'd be fantastic. Yeah, so good luck if your club side is involved in that. I know we've got a, a bit of interest. Obviously, there's Findo with three Rock Rovers. Uh, uh, Xavier Pions uh, with Saint-Germain yep. uh, TRS World 11 member we've still got a couple more TRS World 11 interviews to bring you but they are yeah. on their way it's just Hello. a bit hard catching up with catching up at, okay. people at the right times in the world and things at the moment but uh, yeah if you're listening and you haven't been interviewed yet tap us up yeah because you haven't answered my emails <laughs> um, I forgot a result What's that? There was a result that uh, came in during the week and it involves one of our TRS World 11 members I believe uh huh uh, you've got the details. Have I? Yeah. Oh, but, uh, oh yeah, well done. Oh, Tan- Tansy Lee, also a Patreon subscriber. Uh, well done, Tans, on winning the Men's Twos Player of the Year um, at Chertsey Thames Valley Hockey Club. Happy little club. Yes. Um, and I believe his daughter won the Ladies Twos Player of the Year. So, happy family. Hope uh, hope you didn't go too hard on the Kraken, though. <laughs> well done, Tans. Um that's that is officially the end of the news now. It is. So what other I'll stuff? Just, uh, one one other about? one other little bit of news. I um I had some beautiful leek soup 
um, on Saturday night. For, oh, did we beat day. uni? Did we? <laughs> it, was, it was wonderful. There was just leaks thrown all around the ground in disgust at the end of the game. Was so I've been a hunter gatherer type. I went and picked him up and made some beautiful soup at home. Reuse, uh, reuse, recycle. Fantastic. A little bit of intra clubs, inter club sledging there. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. <laughs> Vice President. Um, what else have we got? Uh, did you see the post about uh, from um, drag, not drag flick, give me hockey, women's coaches? Yes, yeah, Jimmy's, um, Jimmy's put the one. It's yeah. actually an article on uh, the bridge. The bridge, yeah, yeah. So he he that will click, that'll click through. Jimmy's written that article. Yeah, yeah, yeah Jimmy Bogle. And? and? Swords? Got any? No, I saw the post, I haven't read it. Oh, haven't you? No, not yet. Oh, you better read it. Because <laughs> <laughs> we're going to put it on the show today. Oh, are we? Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, well, you just keep talking for a minute and I'll just uh, get it up on the screen. Well, I didn't read it because I don't care. What? Well, you I don't d- care about women's coaches? No, I don't care if I'm being coached by a woman. Right. Okay. But that's not probably the right attitude to have. I wonder what Clint Flicker would think about it. Well, you, you probably have to ask him on Twitter. Yeah, I will. I'll, I'll ask Clint. No, but I'm sorry, that might sound very uh, patronising. But it's not something I actually think about because I don't... Woman coach, yeah, that's all right, whatever. Oh, look, we, had the, we had the discussion uh, in our 50th show. Tyron brought it up as a uh, subject. said, so where are all the, the women's coaches? Where are all the female coaches for for women's teams, You know, let alone for um, for men's teams as well? And like we said at the time, it doesn't shouldn't really matter but it does and so there's, there is work that needs to be done on those pathways I think uh, I mean Australia have got <clears throat> a couple of women in, in key roles not the head coach uh, job um, obviously there's Yannicka Shopman there's Alison Annan and there's not a lot more going on at the at, at the top top end of things uh, is, is that a reflection of the quality of the coaching? of their ability to coach? yeah no, well, it, no, it, will come, it comes down to availability and opportunity, doesn't it? And it comes down to uh, what, who's setting the criteria for those roles and the decision ma- decisions they make on selecting individuals. Yeah, I, I just struggle to see why women wouldn't be coaching at least women's teams. And the argument against women may or may not coach men's teams would be the same for men coaching a women's team, I yeah, believe, which yeah, argue yeah. each other out. So, um, yeah. Yeah. I don't, know. I don't even know. Uh, is I don't, is I don't, it an entrenched mindset? Is it really, is it honestly an entrenched mindset or is it just that there's, um, the, there's not enough women putting pressure on to, for these decisions to go their way? I don't feel comfortable, you and me sitting here as middle-aged, blokes discussing this without having a different viewpoint here in the room so you want your missus sitting in <laughs> no I want, a, I want a female hockey coach sitting in ok well let's do that right. let's let's find one locally that can sit in here and talk with us about okay. it and do the interview live for fu- in a future episode find one locally you know it's not a bad idea let's, let's get to work on that ok future episode write that note down somewhere on a bit of paper yeah, no, that's your, that's your umpire allocation. Oh, shit. Yeah. Whoops. Oops. There you go. I told you it was your umpire allocation. Okay. Um, moving on. What else are we going to talk about? Are we still here? Is this still on? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah we're still going. Come on, we've got to crack on. I've got to pick the kids up from school. I know. Hurry up. What do you got? What have I got? Uh, I've got to cover that, cover that. 
Not a lot more. I haven't got a lot on the agenda, honestly, mate. I've been so busy trying to organise teams and move people around and sort out rosters for oh. goalkeepers and um, keep everybody in the world happy. Uh, just, just give yeah. me, just give me a break. Just give me a break. Well, well, we've been very much on a theme of Fremantle Hockey Club for some particular reason this evening, today, whenever you happen to be listening. Um, did you hear Birdie's suggestion for penalty corners? Did we talk about that last no, week? We didn't talk about it. No, not our team, my to- teammate, our that, club mate. That was in Totally Pro League. Uh, who uh, featured on Totally Pro League a couple of weeks ago. Um, and we had a little bit of discussion about penalty corners, and um, I suggested that. Well, we were talking about the shootouts, and I suggested that I preferred nothing against shootout. It is what it is, but I preferred the strokes and. Partly because you didn't have as much of the ability to uh, refer anything. We weren't going to get endless replays and stretching them out because that's what I think is a problem. It becomes a bit boring to yeah. shoot out. Uh, and he suggested to me that, well, if if I like penalty strokes so much, then what they should do is get rid of short corners, have a shootout instead of a short corner, and yeah. then decide the game by strokes. Right, yep, there you go. So I'm putting it out there. So Any, no, what, no, no penalty corners whatsoever. Just not no. just gone out of the game. What, what was the um, experiment that we did here? Was it with the nines? Was it with AHR where the, the corners were coming out to the top of the 25 and and not to the D? Um, and then you play a five on four or something like that with it, I think. It was oh, some recollection of that. So there's been modification in that respect, um, taking the penalty corner out of the D itself. Well... Percy, I think, oh, well, he's barking mad, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going with the short corners. But it was an interesting suggestion about, I don't know, I, it came off the, out of the blue from him. From yeah, he likes hockey fives as well. Though. Oh, I know he does. He loves his hockey fives. But it's out there. It's, it, is it something that would be considered? Should we ever, lots of people complain about short corners and X and Y and Z about short corners yeah. is that the direction that those discussions are going to take the game or is a short corner just embedded into the what the game is all about right, just wait another anyway. two, wait another two years and there'll be 15 more changes and we might well see one of these ideas now one up. of these changes might indeed be an idea that was brought up by um, Craig Seaven who was on the show courtesy of Ashley Morrison That's a right. few weeks ago yeah. and um it was from a Twitter post, and Craig reposted um, an idea that well rugby had that um, that yellow cards would be followed by in-game reviews by the citing commissioner. Now that would be the the video referee for us or video umpire, uh-huh. who would have the possibility of upgrading the sanction to a red card with a 10-minute sin bin window. The intention would be to ensure a greater number of correct red cards for foul play and fewer incidents of teams losing the in-game benefit that they may be missing out on when referees erroneously show yellow. So, is that, firstly, is that considered a big problem, though? Is that something which is hap- happening a lot? People, well, are, people are getting a yellow when they should be getting a red. You don't see a lot of red cards in hockey, do you? You well, don't see a lot of red cards. Craig puts his tweet uh, to the FIH and EHL Hockey TV. Uh, what about this idea from World Rugby to improve in-game punishments? I could see in-game up and down grades working well and reducing injustice. 
So not just uh, an upgrade from a yellow to a red, but bearing in mind, see that red is not permanent exclusion. That's he's looking just for a, a ten minute exclusion. Well, can't you do that edge. anyway? Can't you just say, mate, that's ten minutes? That's your yellow. Yeah. Yeah. Not a red. No, your red is permanent exclusion from yeah from, from the, the game. Off, yeah, off you go. So they're talking about upgrading a yellow to a red. Yeah. Yeah. But for a ten minute period, he mentions there, doesn't he? A red, a red for ten minutes. But you see, they they have a uh, they have um, ten minutes for a, a yellow. It's not five minutes. Well, you can go five or ten. In hockey, you can, but yeah. not in rugby. Right. Okay. Right. Right. So they've they've currently got a system where you go for ten or you go for a red. Yeah. And I don't think we have an issue with who's getting red. But cards. he's also saying you could go from a, a yellow down to a green. Well, no, that's not no, mentioned in there not, anyway. That's not that's not the movement up and down. No, which why I thought if you're going to have anything like that, look, there was an interesting Twitter conversation about it and thinking about it. I'm I'm not sure that the game has a problem enough with that sort of system, and and you have to have sort of some natural some sort of natural justice with it, and so you'd have to do it for every card. And what happens if a player gets a yellow card and while they're sitting there? He discovers that he shouldn't have shouldn't have been given a yellow card and yeah. the other team scored a goal. Yeah. Replay. Um, replay. replay yeah, it, yeah, look, this is this, these are all new issues for the game too, remember, in the last few years because previously you just sucked it when you copped a yellow or whatever card you copped you sucked it and maybe after the game there might be some sort of a review panel if more evidence came out of but yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure it's a, a huge, massive problem. It's good no. to debate and have the have conversations about these things. But we saw it at the cha- Champions Trophy where the um, and that's led on. Not Champions Trophy. Yeah, the, the Champions Trophy. There was a Pakistani player, I believe, wasn't it? Who who got caught? Was cited after the game. Yeah, and and given a red card. Um, so there's still the ability there to cite people. Uh, the in-game stuff becomes problematic. I think. That's just my opinion. Maybe yeah, there's not, a way to get around it. I I'm don't not, know. I'm not sure it's broke. No. Well, it's going to get a testing out this weekend, isn't it, mate? <laughs> <laughs> First game back, eh? So you're uh, you're on tomorrow, Saturday, as we're recording yep. there. I've I've got a Sunday night game. I've actually sneaked into a slightly higher grade because I'm working tomorrow and I can't make uh, an afternoon oh, yeah. afternoon game. Uh, been very gracious, so an old man might get ten minutes with some of the young boys. Well, they're, they're, against the local rivals they're as just well. going to be too scared to play you at the back so they're going to throw you up the front somewhere oh, who knows, mate? Who that's knows? maybe maybe next week we'll be bringing you news of the uh, incredible winning goal uh, that I managed to seagull in uh, oh, it's the only chance it's going to be a, a seagull that's the only thing it's going to be alright I've got a little something here for you mate it's a special oh, what's this? A special little little gift here oh is that a present yeah, so this is uh, an oh, envelope. Thanks, an envelope that's uh, got well, it's got my address on there, but it's got F H umpires <gasps> on there. Oh, look at that! And what we've got there, well, you've got your little black bag there. Oh, it's a little so, squeegee black bag. So a little, yeah, and waterproof with F H umpires screen printed on there. A nice little uh, carabiner, carabiner, little hooky thing that you can put onto your belt. Um, and uh, oh, it does too. Heavy duty zip. Unzipper. Have a look inside. We've got a set of cards. Oh, look at this. Yellow, red, and green. And uh, oh. And they're in different shapes. And on the yeah, little little yellow square and a round circle, a red circle and a green oh. triangle. And on the yellow card, yeah, you'll see there's a little uh, area where you can get a, 
a cute little wax pen and write write your scores you and scorers and details on there. Bad boys and girls down on there. Field hockey scoreboard. Then there's more inside there. There's a blue card. There is a blue card. Now we oh, talked about that's the ba- a very good card. Well, we talked about the Belgian blue card, but this blue card is slightly different, John, is it? Because what does it, it say is. on there? It says, "Drink, winky eye, smiley face." Is that right? No, just <laughs> <laughs> so it says, "Drink" on the one side, doesn't it? And, oh, okay. uh, no, that's just. Wink, no, I don't think that's winky eye, smiley face. Oh, it's just that, bra- that's it's just brackets. Brackets. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I get it now. Um, that, Show this that, to your teammates one, after well, the game. That one's for the tournament. Maybe a that. couple of them will need it during the game. Some little FH umpires wooden tokens with the FH umpires logo on one side and nothing on the other, so you can do your, your little toss toy. a coin. Yeah, you can. Oh, they are That's stickers. Nice. Like that. Little pen, FH umpires on there. Tiny, tiny, teeny little pen. That's not going to weigh you down too much on the field. And uh, one, oh. o- one other very. Uh, Important item there, John, that you've got in front of you. Oh, it is. Oh, this is great. Uh, open her up. Well, let's do. Oh, it's one of these ones where the plastic goes in the layer of the cardboard. It, it's not. Oh, I'll give it a little little rattle there. It's. Uh, it's going to require. It says, it says on the front of the packet: Peeless whistle, sifflet sans bille, Fox Forty. But some of you may be uh, familiar with the brand, the Fox Forty Classic. We've got some nice little black and white stripes running apart. down, and inside is a beautiful Fox 40 classic. I've just ruined the packaging in one mint in mint condition. Don't worry, mate. It's all about the whistle. And uh, just on the side of it, you've uh, got the nice little FH umpires. Uh, not too close to the microphone, please, mate. We don't, don't want to hurt anybody. You got to, you got to go really hard on it. Okay. Uh, yeah, FH, FH umpires on there, beaut. Thank you, mate. Put it down now, please. Put it down. Uh, and a lovely little thank you card with a handwritten note from Keeley. Uh, all this gear, this is going to be going up on sale very, very soon at fhumpires.com. Uh, there's a nice little shop area there. You'll be able to get the gear. And uh, thanks, Keeley. Really appreciate that. Whatever you're up to this weekend, enjoy your hockey. Uh, we certainly intend to. And we look forward to catching you next week. Episode 90 of the Reverse Stick, the Global Hockey Podcast. Cheers, John. See you later, mate. Spotted on Twitter yesterday, uh, our old mate Clint popped up on there and opened an account. Never thought I'd see him on Twitter. Yeah, where did he? I mean, where did he come from? I mean, when did you first come across him? Oh, I've known him for years and years and years. Yeah, I mean, uh, it was I think I back in the Andes. You might have played with in the eighties. Played with my, played with my dad, I think, originally at some point. Did he? Yeah, I mean, <sighs> he's played a lot of hockey. Good my, player, hell of a player. My granddad used to talk about some bloke called Clint Flicker. Yeah. Yeah, all the time. Well, maybe a family member. Or you wouldn't. Don't think we're related. He's. Um, I can't tell. He's got a paper bag on his head. Well, he gets around. He's. I think he's just finished up playing in in Holland. Um, and he's over here playing in Oz. I think coming well, into this he was season in Japan over last last winter. Yeah, he was in Japan. Yeah, yeah. and I know a couple of years before that he he was doing some work in Guatemala. Yeah, well, he had that stint in um, 
in Switzerland playing club hockey as well when he was attached to the travel agency, didn't he? Well, I did hear he was a covert CIA operative. CIA? Clint, Clint in America? They're listening. Who? 